also tweeted last night. <laughs> wow. He was trying to help me write an article, too. <laughs> what did you think about All right, you guys ready? You should, call, you should name your cat Paw Seawall. <laughs> I might just have to name this guy Paul Seawald. Just Seawald is a good thing. You can you can call it Paul Seawald and Paul Seawald. <laughs> very small. Bro, I might name this motherfucker Paul Seawald. <laughs> <laughs> There's our cold open. You're cold. Oh, fair enough. Um. All right. Well, hello and welcome to episode 41 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners podcast. I am Evan James, joined today by Michael Ahedo and Andrews Jorstad. And I guess I'm going to kick it over to Andrews first because baseball is back. A new CBA has been signed and we're kicking spring training off basically right now. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of, we, we talked quite a bit on the last pod about kind of, um, you know, the wins we wanted for the players. And so I wanted to get your gauge of how you think this went in terms of the players getting some stuff for young players and getting some of the things they wanted in general from this negotiation. Yeah. When was last time we talked was like, what, where were we, were we at, um, boobs, um, you know, fake number one or fake number two. <laughs> oh man. I think, I don't think we've talked since that happened where everyone thought that he was a hero because he mentioned that the two sides were like somewhat close on one specific issue. And then it turned out they weren't, um, yeah, I'm excited that baseball is back. I was feeling really down in the dumps after they didn't meet their second deadline, the one where they pushed games back, quote unquote, through April 14th. Um, and then they made a deal the next day and they were like, oh, never mind, we're gonna, we're gonna play on April 7th. Haha, <laughs> we were just kidding about missing another week of games. Um, Obviously, I think the players could have done better, deserve better, but as has been said many places um, in the interim, you know, change like this is incremental and you're not going to get everything like this in one swing. So the Mar- the Mariners, the players were not going to get, you know, earlier free agency, earlier arbitration, uh, better pay for the minor leaguers. You know, that was considered far too extreme by the owners, but I think they did fairly well for what they were looking for. Um, you know, they got the pre-arb bonus pool, even if it wasn't the money they were looking for. Um, they, you know, got all this done with only 12 playoff teams, for which I am super, super thankful. I think if you're a fan, mm-hmm. baseball did pretty well on two fronts, which is that we're getting 12 playoff teams, which I think is a pretty good medium, um, not 14. We're getting a universal DH, which I think is great for everybody. Um an interesting thing that like wasn't really known at first, but I think makes a ton of sense is the fact that we are getting um, more interleague play. It sounds like we're going to starting in 2023, every team will play every team, which is super exciting for me personally, because I live in a national league city and will not get to see the Mariners unless they come here. Um, but I think it's basically just like, getting halfway to what will ultimately be realignment. What I expect is that once baseball expands to 32 teams is that we'll basically realign by geographical location. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that this is kind of a way to get there so that, you know, you're not super thrown off when the Mariners play the Rockies every year because the Rockies will be in the Mariners division. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically long story short, I'm glad baseball's back. (laughs) 
I love it. Um, and I wanted to state, you know, you mentioned the universal DH. You know, we had big news today, which is that Dan Vogelback got a major league oh, deal the with the Pirates. News. So, <laughs> yeah, who otherwise might be washing out of baseball has new life. So I'm I'm always rooting for a Vogie season wherever he can play. And uh, yeah, you know, Nelly's good. good. Nelly's and, back yep, now, so uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Yeah, it's actually kind of sick to see the national league dhs like i think it's kind of dope um i'm really excited to see nelly on the national leagues in the national leagues you know um uh, he's playing for the nationals right yeah yeah they signed him to a what mm-hmm. was it a two-year deal or a one-year deal with an with a player option it was something like that i think it was a one yeah, yeah. sounds right to me um mikey anything from you uh with regarding the cba kind of the you know uh the bump in pay for the younger minor leaguers anything you wanted to point out specifically that you had your eye on yeah well first of all i forgot that there was a universal dh until (laughs) well i didn't like forget forget but like momentarily i've forgotten in the past you know however long um i um you know i think the players did as well as they could in terms of you know, they set out to do a couple very specific things, and I think that they did, you know, most of those things. Um, you know, as I said, it was kind of about helping out the lower, you know, however many percent, the, the pre-arb players, and they did that. You know, they didn't do, certainly didn't do as much as the players deserve. Um, but, I mean, it's like negotiating with a brick wall, like truly. Um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't, uh, even negotiate for how many days? 39? Something like Too many. That. More than a month, essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have baseball back and I'm excited that I don't have to feel as bad about it as I would have otherwise. Um, I, I'm surprised that we're here. Uh, I guess it's a good time to to note that Durs was the correct yes. one out did, of us three. Did you keep track, Evan, of, of what our guesses were? Um, I don't remember specifically other than mine was February 17th and Mikey's was in early June. So <laughs> you are I, I know you won just based on those. Well, I, so. I don't have the, the clip exactly, but I do remember saying that I thought baseball would be pushed back a week and that they were just going to make up those games at the end of the season. Um. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. So <laughs> not not to brag or anything, but you know. Hey, well done, well done. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the players did pretty well, and uh, I think the game, you know, nothing outright outrageous happened to the game. Um, I actually, I think I don't know about y'all, but I think I've changed my mind in terms of of the shift. I think what, I'm. Do you think limiting it is favorable? I was anti banning the shift and now I, I think I think it, it's better for the game. Um to I will say I you know. I no longer care, but I, I'm curious to hear your <laughs> argument. That's fair. I mean the biggest thing is that it I think it's had a pretty a somewhat, you know, minimal effect on the game. Because of that, because first of all Someone made this point. I think Justin Choi uh, replied to it. But someone made the point that, like, why are teams going through all this effort? You know, like, it takes a lot of effort to do all this. 
and and not come away with anything and and Justin was essentially like I think you're underestimating like how much teams what lengths they'll go to save like a run mm-hmm. um so I mean it's so much effort for such a little gain and I do think like it it does affect it affects players psychologically like mentally um we know that like from the research like it it doesn't actually do that much in terms of saving runs in terms of the actual batted balls more so just getting in and hitters heads so i think it'll be good in terms of um you know what the play looks like on the field um i don't think that it affects you know like it's not like saying oh like no one can swing left-handed or some shit you know like it's not like saying like in football like no cover two defense um at least i don't think it's being taken away that anyone would notice really watching it right if the rule is implemented (laughs) properly and i don't know what the the enforcement of it looks like but i think they're just banning the horseshoe shift really you know um Mm -hmm. and i think that's fine so I don't know what it looks like in terms of like, uh, you know, six player infield or whatever, or like a five man outfield. I don't know what those look like. Um, I think those are fun and like silly to watch. Um, but I, I am kind of glad now that they're they're getting rid of the, the horseshoe. So to be clear, this is My not answer. taking place until 2023, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my understanding too is I actually read the rule because I was curious because I've long kind of thought, okay, so you want to ban the shift. What does that mean? Practically speaking, like what kind of, what the language are they going to use to enforce this? And the short answer seems to be four players on the infield, three players in the outfield, and everybody needs to stay on their respective side of second base. Um, and you know, like it's a little more granular than that, but that's kind of like the gist of it. And obviously there can still be shifting in that, you know, you can still have everybody slanted one way or the other, but it just keeps everybody in kind of a general position on the field. And I'm fine with that. You know, like the idea of baseball kind of of being fun and like hitters being unique or that they can hit the ball, the places where the players aren't, Um, you know, that's kind of like the Ichiroism and the the old commercial where he would hit the ball when they had like 90 people on the outfield or whatever. Um, You know, we've lost a little bit of that with the kind of, home run heavy contact suppression approach that's been going on in the game recently. And so, yeah, I think like, you know, if, if they're really going to ban the shift in this specific way that it feels like they've set up, I'm cool with that. So yeah. Um, interesting note. I think that the, the bigger bases are interesting too. And I'm curious to see how that affects a major league roster and kind of the upper echelon of talent and speed for stolen bases. Uh, it might be really minuscule in terms of, you know, single digits for teams. It could be slightly more substantial than that. So it's something to keep an eye on. And of course, uh, robot umps, it doesn't sound like they're actually coming next year, but they are expanding it to AAA this year um, in a pretty wide capacity is my understanding. So we're going to have a lot more, you know, data and feedback as to how umpires are reacting to that, how hitters are reacting to that, how pitchers are throwing to it. And um, if everybody likes it. So I think that's cool. That's a good development uh, from my perspective. Um, what, what do you guys think about any of that? Here's what I'll say about the bases is that I think that, hello, cat. I just got, for the I don't know if people are watching, but I just got two new cats and one won't leave me alone. <laughs> um, you'll probably be able to hear him purring. Um, but I think, so if you think about just like 
how players run. I think that this will pretty marginally help the the fastest base dealers. Um, at least if I'm thinking about this correctly, I think it'll it'll more so help the the pretty limited type base dealers like a, a Mitch Haniger. Uh, I think is going to go from he's probably around like seven stolen bases to like maybe fifteen. Whereas like if someone's in the upper twenties, I think they'll only you know get a couple more. Um, just because of the way that like you're going into the bag, you know, like like Mitch isn't the twitchiest athlete ever. Like I think it takes him a while to build up that. You know, he's not like a heavy dude, but I think it it he's more of a train than like a whatever other analogy i can not create um so i think it's basically like once he's going i think it might be a little bit harder for him to in general to kind of settle into the bag i i think i think it'll i think that's the change that we're gonna see um and i i do think that it it, uh it should help players in terms of like health a little bit you know the limited amount that that happens um I almost kind of wonder if it'll change how players are on the bases too. No, it certainly could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah Anything about that, Durs? That's my that's my theory. No, I'm cool with it. I I, I think there's very few changes that are proposed that I'm like vehemently against. Actually, one of them that I was vehemently against was the uh, banning of the shift. But now I'm just like, <laughs> honestly, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, I think that it might make things better for for some players. It sucks that Kyle Seager just retired because his batting average would probably have seen like a 20-point increase. Hey, um, but, you know, Joey Gallo is about to be really excited, for example. Um, there's going to be a lot of other players who are going to benefit from them. I just don't think any of them are Mariners. Like, I don't think any Mariner really has a regular shift on them right now. Is that, or I don't know, does Jesse Winker get shifted on? I, I can't. I mean, I don't watch enough Reds games to know, but that's like the only thing I can think of. Um, I think I was looking earlier and his his shift he was starting to get shifted a lot and then they they kind of tamed it down. I don't know how to say things all ever. Um, <laughs> it went from like I feel like like 75% to like 60 because he's not that extreme. Like it's actually not that smart to uh to shift like he doesn't hit the ball on the mm. ground like that. Yeah. At least I wouldn't think. So yeah, the Mariners just yeah. don't, they don't have a lot of lefty bats anymore. It's very yeah. strange because they used to just like, they used to be like all lefties. Um, yeah, it's been quite a turn. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I, I'm cool with the rule changes. I'm cool with the league having more power. I just, the biggest fear I have is the league making these changes to make very incremental changes to the game that they think is going to make a massive change to the game. Like, okay, so banning the shift is is not going to lead to that much more action. You know, bigger bases is not going to lead to that much more, you know. Um, I, I guess they're experimenting with rules to, like, incentivize keeping starting pitchers in longer in the Atlantic League. I don't know if you guys saw that, but they're basically saying if you keep your starting pitcher in for five innings, you can keep your DH for the whole game. But if you pull your starting pitcher before he's completed five innings, then you lose the DH. Um, uh, then the pitcher has to hit? Yeah. Interesting. So they're trying that rule out in the Atlantic League. And I, I just don't think that these are like big enough things to speed up the game, 
to, you know, significantly increase batting average like they want to. There are things that they can do, like decreasing commercials, but they do not want to lose the revenue stream. So they're not going to do that. Interesting. Well, do we have anything else about the CBA or do we want to break into the exciting new news? I do just want to say real quick, for those listening, this is a very like strong case for why games are longer than they used to be. This is an article from a few years ago, but if you if you have any curiosity, I would Google why baseball games are so damned long by Grant Frisbee, in which he analyzed a game from 1984 and a game from 2014, which were basically identical, um, and analyzed why one game was significantly longer than the other. Um, and basically the conclusion is that commercials are longer. But every, So every other measure that baseball tries to take is not going to make a significant enough debt. Um, and that's why I hate these changes that are supposed to speed the game up, like the pitch clock and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that's just how I feel about that. <laughs> No, I agree. And I mean, we had a little bit of a talk about it in the Slack this week about kind of, you know, my perspective is that I don't think that you can make baseball that much faster just in general, that a lot of these changes are going to be factors of seconds in some cases, even like a minute over the course of a game, maybe two. Um, okay. You know, like it's still a three hour experience fundamentally. Like if it's three hours and 15 minutes versus three hours and nine minutes, like I don't think that changes the calculus for most people. Um, and you're not really, I, I think it's too early to say whether or not some of these changes are going to make offense more explosive or more exciting or any other kind of adjective you might want to give it. It's still going to be baseball. It just hopefully batting averages are going to be up a little bit and like, that's good, but, uh, you know, it's not, tur- it's not turning golf into football, I think would be kind of like the, exactly. the diametrically opposed things. Yeah. yeah. Baseball is baseball. Mm-hmm. And we like it that way. It's, you know, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And it's a chill thing to, you know, what, drink a beer too and hang out. And it doesn't have to be smash mouth way that other sports necessarily I think are. the thing is that baseball is searching for its three-point line, which is, you know, that's that's what changed basketballs. Once they added a three-point line, basketball became much more explosive, much more high scoring, much more exciting. I don't think that, first of all, I don't know if there is an equivalent to baseball. And if there was, I don't know if baseball is bold enough to, to seek it out. Um, mm-hmm. because that was a super bold change that the NBA made, you know, half a, half a century ago. But when they did, it, you know, totally changed the sport for the better. And I think that baseball is just searching for that, and they're not going to find it. I wonder if some of that could be the distance uh, from the mound to home plate, but I also worry when I make a suggestion like that, that it could include injuries to pitchers because it's such a fundamental change to creatures of habit. Um, you know, we talked about just how like, you know, the ball substances and the weight of the baseball and the tackiness and all this stuff. 
uh, was a big deal to players who were frankly concerned about getting injured last year when we, you know, took away the the tack. And that seems to have been overblown in hindsight to a, some degree or another. But it's a it's a consideration. Um, but I think we should talk about the Mariners specifically. And the Mariners have had an interesting week, and there's been a lot of opinions about it. And I was really fortunate to do the Lookout Landing podcast yesterday uh, afternoon and talk a little bit about this. But I wanted to kick it over to Mikey first um, because he wrote a really great article on Suarez, who is one of the two new acquisitions. And um, I'm just I'm just going to let Mikey talk because I, I liked the article a lot, loved it. And uh, I think he covered a lot of the stuff, frankly, that I mentioned on the podcast anyway. So he stole all my salient points before I got to make them um naturally so mikey tell us about suarez so let's see i have long been a fan of suarez um in part because back in the day i found it really interesting that you know and and 2018 was really his his coming out party uh in 2019 he started pulling the ball 50 percent of the time which i found really fascinating um because pulling the ball is a way that you can create really easy power really like synthetic power um and he fell off after 2019 and in 2020 um it came out that in between 2019 2020 uh not sure what he was doing in the swimming pool but he was swimming and he hurt himself (laughs) (laughs) hurt a shoulder (laughs) um and has just not been the same since and you know, his hard hit numbers, like, so on fan graphs, his hard percentage fell off. Um, <clears throat> I don't even know in terms of like, like some metrics will say, yeah, he's not hitting the ball as hard. And some will say he's hitting it a little harder. Uh, so it's depending on what you're looking at, but essentially I kind of went in and and I had thoughts about what I thought was going on before, uh, just because I've always found him to be really interesting and I've always thought he was good. Um, but the first thing that I kind of pointed out was that his BABIP dropped almost 100 points, which is really significant. And it's not like that happened over, you know, a month to month kind of thing. It was like 2019, it was 312. The next two years or you know, year and a half because 2020 was shortened. Uh, it was 221, which is really fucking low. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite bad. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So with that, you know, his dynamic hard hit percentage did go up a couple points, but you know, it's marginal. It's insignificant. I think with that, his, his percentage of poorly hit balls went up from 56% to 65 so about nine points. And then his standard deviation of launch angle, uh, it, it went up, which is a bad thing, uh, by almost almost two degrees. And what that means, what point I kind of made is that so a lower standard deviation of launch angle or, or launch angle tightness means that essentially you're hitting the ball really consistently. Um, and the player to think about is another red in Joey Votto. He has, you know, maybe the best barrel control in baseball. Uh, amazing BAPIP, amazing launch angle tightness. And that got worse for Suarez. And, you know, it seems like it's an injury thing. Um, But, you know, he already had an extreme fly ball, you know, rate. 
And then in the past two years, it got even more extreme to the point where it's it's higher than Joey Votto's. Like it's in the 94th percentile in all of MLB. So basically what's happening is that he he's hitting a higher percentage of like he's still hitting the ball at about the same rate. Like when you think about like a dynamically hard hit ball, he's still hitting about the same. But what's happening is that for the rest of the percentage, the rest that are not dynamically hit hard, a higher percentage of those are getting hit weaker. And generally speaking, those are balls that are getting hit weakly in the air as like kind of lazy fly balls. Um, so I think Alex Chamberlain in his article, and I, I noticed this after I, I um, published, but he did a little bit of trigonometry and said uh, he thinks that his his vertical bat angle is about seven degrees steeper than it was before. That's a really, really big difference. And usually it's a good thing to steepen your, your VBA, but I think he's probably done it too much. And if you think about it, if you're steepening that 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 bat angle, um, he's probably getting under the ball more, which is why he's hitting. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not probably he is getting under the ball more because he's hitting a lot of, you know, those fly balls and they're non-competitive fly balls, a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of his like poorly hit ball percentage, like poor percentage, which feels weird to say. Uh, he's in the 27th percentile in the league. That's below JP Crawford, who does not hit the ball hard. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone needed to hear that, but uh, <laughs> he does not. So there's a relationship between BAPIP and, and launch angle tightness. So I think what we need to see from Suarez is that he, he does, you know, tighten up that, that um, SDLA, that standard deviation of, of launch angle. And he can probably do that by fixing his bat path, which is easier said than done. Um, but, you know, like he's gotten under the ball about 5% more than in 2019, and his sweet spot has gone down by about 7%. So he's basically just not hitting balls at optimal angles. He's still hitting the ball hard regardless, but because he's a strong hitter. Um but he's essentially just like a really, really unoptimized version of himself. I think it's the best way to put it. Hmm. So I'm a really big fan of, of Suarez. I, I mean, not only like do I think he can be really good, but he can also like play an average third base. He can play shortstop, although like very badly. Um, and he's just like a, a fun player off the field. I don't know if y'all Thankfully- saw his, uh his video. Yeah, go on. Good vibes only. Yeah, oh, that's all I had to say. He's a he's a great he's a great guy. It seems like, um, and the fact that Reds fans were so sad to see both him and Jesse Winker go, I think it's like says that in spades that you know those are guys that are worth rooting for. Like I didn't see a single tear shed for Jake Fraley going to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> there were no tears to shed for Jake Fraley, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've liked Eugenio Suarez for a long time. Um, <laughs> infamous, infamously, in my dynasty baseball league, I traded Corbin Burns for him uh, two off seasons ago. <laughs> um, so I, I, <laughs> I was, I was very big on him, and at this point, I've kind of been like tied to that wagon. Um, 
you know, and, and thankfully the Mariners will not need him to play shortstop. And I think that, you know, that kind of defensive change, players can say all they want. And I think, didn't Andrew Vaughn say this last year when they moved him to left field, like a separation of church and state, basically? Like, he's going <laughs> to se- separate his, his brain when he's in, like, the when he's in the field. If he screws up in the field, it's, you know, he's going to be able to not carry that over into the batting box. I don't think that's possible. Um, <laughs> I mean, famous, Trey Turner famously, talked about uh move like just yesterday moving to second and how it felt like he was like playing with his left hand it was just wrong yeah so famously church and state are always separated (laughs) um (laughs) this is is true um but you know i think yohenio suarez will be happier at third base um the mariners kind of did this themselves you know over a decade ago when they moved sean figgins to third and he you know hit the tank um so I, I'm hoping that, you know, Perry Hill will get some some magic working on Suarez. He's going to rediscover his love of third base and never have to play a game of shortstop again in his life because J.P. Crawford is there and Dylan Moore will be on the roster, no doubt. So um, mm-hmm. I think that Suarez could be, like, I think, you know, Mikey said this in his article, like, senior-like production. And if that's the case, then I think that's great. Um you know, that's that's a solid bat, you know, maybe not an all-star. The upside is there for him to rediscover what he had in his, you know, in his 2018, 2019 seasons, but we don't have to expect it. And he sets the, and I know the Mariners probably aren't thinking too hard about this, but he sets up a timeline pretty well for like Noel B. Marte eventually rising to that spot. Um, because in a couple of years, Marte will be ready to take over at third and then Suarez probably moves over to the DH spot at that point. So I think that that timeline works out pretty well. And I think maybe that's why the Mariners were resistant to go, you know, splash on like a Chris Bryant. Cause you know, how's Chris Bryant going to feel about moving off third base in two years? Um, maybe not, maybe not so great. Um, I mean, although he did play some left field, but the Mariners have their, you know, a lot going on there too. But, you know, I think the winker side of it is interesting to me because the more I look at him, the more I just think Seth Smith. And that's the pessimistic side of me that says that because um, Seth Smith was like very unsexy in a way that I think winker could could be um, winker is a Seth Smith has dad energy. Yeah, Winker's a, Winker's a more exciting person than Seth Smith. But as a baseball player, there's a lot of similarities. You know, they both crush righties but they have deficiencies against left-handers um in his career winker has a 65 wrc plus against lefties and a 150 wrc plus against righties so that's you know if the mariners are trying to to tout this whole like oh you guys want a big free agent signing and this is basically like getting a big free agent signing i don't really know if that's true because winker probably shouldn't be playing every day he should probably be Mm -hmm. playing a strong side platoon which is fine, and he, he was an all-star last year doing that same thing. But I think that expecting uh, you know expecting a multi-time all-star for him in Seattle is, I think, overly optimistic. Um, I think he's going to be a very strong platoon player who is probably, you know, against right-handers, maybe our best hitter, maybe our second or third best hitter, and against lefties, maybe he plays occasionally, but he really should sit for, like, Kyle Lewis and I know that we we don't like Keith Law but Keith Law did say something that I thought made a lot of sense which is that the Mariners could platoon Lewis and Winker in left field um I think they will to some degree I think that will make a ton of sense because you want Lewis to ease his way in 
and you know playing the the weak side of, of a platoon works out that way and maybe if you want lewis to be a little bit more than part-time he dh's against righties sometimes and that mm-hmm. works out pretty well because you know you get him in left field when when they're against left-handers and then you get him at dh a, a week you know a game or two a week against righties and that's pretty much like a you know four or five games a week kind of guy i think that works out pretty well for lewis and it works out well for winker and it makes that left field spot potentially if everyone stays healthy and productive which never happens but it makes that spot very good for the mariners which was their weakest spot in the lineup before so overall i think this is a great deal for the mariners they gave up two guys who were not going to be a part of their future and jake fraley and justin dunn i think dunn had the potential to be like a a a strong reliever but the mariners don't have need for that right now um and they gave up brandon williamson which hurts but if you're giving up a pitching prospect for two starting bats in a potential playoff lineup, I think that's a good trade-off to make. We don't know what that player to be named later is going to be, but there's reason to believe it's going to be like a lottery ticket teenager or just recently not teenager, you know, like a Milcar Perez or a George Felice or a Gabriel Gonzalez, you know, one of those guys that's like low minors. Um, and I still think that that's a fair thing to give up for those two pieces. The one thing, mm-hmm. and this has been a, po- a point of discussion is DePoto saying that this is the lineup at this point. And I think that was what took everybody from like happy town. Like this is the greatest move the Mariners have ever made to, Oh my God, this off season sucked. And I think that both of those reactions were a little bit too extreme in both directions. I think the move was very good, but my excitement when I saw that move was, I was like, Oh, here they are about to make a sequence of moves that will push them into that playoff window. So when he made that one move, and then said we're done it was it felt like the party ended early you know it felt like you got to this really great party and then they you know kicked everyone out an hour in um when you were expecting that the mariners were going to go out there and and you know supplement this move with a couple other moves and it's still possible they could you know people have pointed out that maybe depoto was saying this as a way to kind of signal to boris or whoever is the agent for whatever free agent he wants to sign saying like we don't need you guys um, and that it's, it's possible the Mariners still could go out and sign Bryant or Story. But the question then becomes, and people have raised this question, you know, where would those guys play? And I said this to you, Evan, before the podcast started, but I think Story makes a lot more sense now to Seattle than Bryant does. Um, mm-hmm. Because what you could do is you put Story at second and you move Adam Frazier to the Dylan War utility spot. And that's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets trickier if you try to sign Bryant because he's a third baseman and left fielder. And now you just acquired a third baseman and a left fielder. <laughs> so I, I don't think that that's really a fit anymore. Um, but I, I, I am just hoping that one day, you know, one of these days I'll see a Jeff Passan notification that says the Mariners agreed to a deal with Trevor story. And we're all like, Oh my God, it happened anyway. But I just don't think mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And at this point, I'm even wondering what is realistic for them to get on the starting pitching market? Because yeah. there's only, and I talked about this, I think with you guys in the Slack yesterday, there aren't that many pitchers out there that the Mariners can trade for that fits the criteria of what DePoto wants. He wants mm-hmm. a solid yeah. top of the rotation guy he can get in a trade. And 
there's probably, you know, the, there's the A's guys, there's the Marlins guys, maybe. If the Marlins think that they're not winning now, there's maybe John Means, but that's going to be expensive. There's Herman Marquez, but the Rockies don't know what the heck they're doing, and they think they're trying to win now. Um, and all those guys are going to be expensive. So, like, basically your options are the A's. Sean Manaya, Frankie Montas. Um, and I think... Like, well, like I said, you know, I think the Marlins are, are trying to win. And if if we're talking like top of the rotation guys, I think only two Marlins players fit that bill. And that's Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. And I think both of those guys would be hell expensive. I agree. I mean, no, yeah, I think I, I tend to agree. I I just love I love the rotation. I mean, it's Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Pablo. Eliezer Hernandez, Jesus Luzardo, and Sixto Sanchez. Yeah. It's pretty good. And like, I liked Zach Thompson and I liked Gallon. It's wild. I don't know how they do this, but. <laughs> and uh, they had Paddock too, right? Yeah. They've had a lot. <laughs> they've had like a lot of guys. It's kind of wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, we always knew or thought that the acquisition on the pitching side was going to come via trade. So I, I still think that's going to happen. And we also know that that's how DePoto likes to work. He likes, he doesn't like signing free agents. He likes trading for players. So yeah, I don't know. He maybe certainly he hasn't had success at signing <laughs> players in any case. It doesn't seem like anyone wants to take his money. I think the frustrating maybe thing it's, is it's worth looking at uh bloated contracts. I don't think anyone's really been doing that lately. I think I think the frustrating thing is why didn't Depoto just get Suarez and Luis Castillo or Tyler Molly and then sign Seiya Suzuki? Because now now we have a bunch of money left over, and you know no because we have a bunch of money left over and there's no starting pitchers left to spend them spend that money on. So if you're gonna spend money, it's mm-hmm. gonna be on a bat, and and now the question is where do you put that bat? Um, and I. You know they're sitting at just over a hundred million on payroll when we thought they'd come in at one thirty, one forty. So they still have like a big contract to sign in theory that they could sign, um, but it doesn't seem like they're going to now, which is frustrating to just see them pocket that money after we were promised a huge off season. Yeah, and you know one thing that I was thinking about when you guys are talking about um, the Marlins in particular as a trade partner is they're in kind of a weird spot with Jeter seemingly not being forced out but quitting, um, you know, kind of having a title revocation or something to that effect because he was at odds with the Marlins brass over spending money on the team, um, but also them having Kim Ng as their GM, so they're this weird mix of like theoretically being super cheap and maybe wanting to cut bait with some potentially more expensive players, but also having one of the smarter minds in baseball running the operation. So I don't trust them to dump anything or give us, you know, like a really great deal on anyone. Um, So I'm a little hesitant to trade with the Marlins in any case, but um, I wanted to pitch it over to you, Mikey talk about, I know you're doing another article on Winker and uh He's an interesting case. He's he's his recent performance has been all star caliber, as has been noted in a lot of places. Um, you know, he is kind of a candidate to be a platoon situation. Obviously, the defense isn't, you know, 
starting caliber. He's more of a, you know, an alternate or a left fielder. Um, but he is inarguably the best or second best hitter on the Mariners lineup. You know, maybe Mitch Handiger has a couple of months where he's a lot better, but, um, you know, Mitch has kind of streaky performance. So we really have added, it seems like the second best bat to this lineup potentially. Um, what do you think of, of Winker and kind of, how are you feeling about the offense in general? If this is all that they do and this is what they roll with. Yeah, I kind of echo um, Durr's sentiment that it it would be a bummer. Um, you know, like I, man, I would love to see someone that you just slot into the two hole, like a trout. And it, I, it doesn't have to be trout, but just like a star hitter. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously not happening right now. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that their offenses may be a little underrated and, and, you know, I'm interested in to see what comes next because maybe the way that they supplement on, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I think like maybe the way that they supplement is, you know, by adding a defensive, uh, more defensively inclined center fielder that adds value on the hitting side, not through hitting or through the lineup, but you know, through your, your batters. Um, they still have room to add. I mean, part of me thinks that they're posturing like right now, roster resource has Abe Toro DHing in the nine hole. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Which honestly he needs at bats. You know, I think he could become a regular player and he, as, as is right now, he's kind of screwed. And if they sign story, he's really screwed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think if you, if you're doing a good job of it, I think, if you added Story or Bryant right now, you could very, very easily move Frazier and, and Toro around and get everyone regular at bats. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Hanniger's going to need some some downtime. Uh, Kelnick's playing a lot of center field. Um, you know, like Kyle Lewis is Kyle Lewis. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Like the Mariners have a team that a lot of guys are going to need. You know, Ty France gets hurt every or gets hit every fucking game. So, um, <laughs> right. You know, I I think uh, I think it is a good lineup as is, but man, there's such a there's such an easy route for Frazier to not be the hitter that he was, and yeah. then Kel- Kelnick to not even be an average hitter. JP Crawford to not be great, Tom Murphy to suck, Toro to like it's such a high variance lineup and the ceiling's not that high. I think I think my biggest problem with with these acquisitions being it is Jerry's posturing this as we've just acquired four all-stars. Yes, but I think all four of those players have seen their best career year at this point. I, I would agree with I think, that as well. I think last year is the best year Frazier's ever going to have. I think last year is definitely the best year Robbie Ray is ever going to have. I think last mm-hmm. year might be Winker's best year. And I think, you know, Suarez's best year was 2018-2019. I don't think those guys are going to get back to the production they were at in those particular years, which is why I think it's kind of like beating its horseshit to say that, you know, we just acquired four All-Stars because you're – you're telling everybody like these guys are going to make all-star teams. And I, I posed this question to the slack today, but like, do you think that Winker or Suarez 
will make an all-star team or win a regular season award as a Mariner. And I don't think they will. Like, I think they'll both be very good players. I just don't think they're that caliber player that the Mariners need. They're not a diamond level, the show baseball card, you know, that the Mariners are looking for. But then again, I don't know if story is either, but I think that to, to sell them on, on to sell us on, we just acquired a bunch of stars is, is not uh, truthful. In that sense, I don't really I care agree. if they make all star games, though, you know. Sure, yeah, but it's, it's a superfluous metric. We mentioned on the lookout landing pod that our all star last year was Kikuchi. So if we had decided Kikuchi, would we have added, you know, five all stars? Like, it's just a technicality, really. Um, but yeah, I agree with the, the variance thing you said in your approach. I would say, too, that you said Abe Toro is slated to be the DH. I have a theory, which is that. Kyle Lewis is healthy enough to play, and instead of sending him to AAA, they DH him for the first two, three weeks. Um, I think that that makes a ton of sense, even though Jerry kind of caveated that they you know, they may start him in the minor leagues. Um, I think Evan White is for sure going to start in the minor leagues. So they do have some young players who are kind of, who, like you said, need at bats, but are not in line for them necessarily directly out of spring training. And that's okay because we have, you know, depth. That's what depth is for, you know, in case somebody gets injured and, you know, or doesn't play very well. If, you know, Tom Murphy hits 0.76 again for a month or whatever, you know, we can throw Terenz in there and swap some stuff up. But yeah, I agree that there are spots on this roster and in this, in this lineup constructed currently that could be black holes under bad circumstances. Uh, Yeah. Also, I mean, so there's that Hanniger, France, Kelnick, Toro, really like Raleigh, Tor- Terenz, uh, Tramel, White. They could all have breakout years. So there is that. Yeah. Julio. Julio could Soto. I mean, we don't totally forgot that, about but... him. <laughs> Julio has the highest um, projection in a couple of systems for, for war for the various players. He has like, I want to say Ty France was at 3.1. He was at 3.3. So he's already projected to actually be the Mariners' best player by some metrics, which I think is generous. I honestly, like, I don't think he's going to have that kind of a season, but it's just a representation of how much the, you know, the general statistics seem to buy into his performance in the minor league so far. I, I think people I are really sleeping on Tramel, as you as you just said, Mikey. Everyone has totally forgotten about him existing. He was a former top prospect who's only had, like, a half season of struggling. Yeah, and... The thing for me is all these guys, I guess, so on the other side of that, all these like good teams, and I've said this plenty of times, good teams don't just hand out, you know, at-bats to, to Abe Toro. You know, they, you, you have to earn them. Um, you know, maybe you get a handful, like 100, 200 plate appearances, but in general, like you're not, you're not going into a season being like, yeah, Abraham Toro is going to get 100 or 450 like plate appearances. So I feel like it would be it would be a good thing if Toro got pushed to the bench. Um, and I don't, as I've said again many times, I don't think you count on Kyle Lewis. Um, no. But I think we already heard that they don't. Like the first <laughs> things we've heard out of spring training are we haven't seen him this entire time and he's probably not ready. So I think yeah. they agree with that. They're not going what, to. What happens yeah. if you stop here? And, you know, I will say the Padres, like, they already had Young Kim and Jerickson Profar and Jake Cronenworth, <laughs> and then they went out and got Adam Frazier. So, like, 
You know, mm-hmm. that that's like the prime example of like you just acquire good players and you figure it out. But the last thing I want is for them to just like sit on their hands and be like, OK, we're done and not get someone like story or even like a lesser, you know, example of that and then end up playing Jack Mayfield for 30 games because we have injuries. Because that's going to happen is like one of these, you know, yeah. two or three of these guys are going to get hurt. France is going to land on the I.L. You know, Hanniger might hit the I.L. again, and that's going to really suck <laughs> when those are our best hitters and now we're you know sitting around and watching dylan Moore play left field every night mm-hmm. but mikey is right in that what's so interesting about our, our team as young as ours is you are expecting breakouts or at the very least improved performance from at least some of these guys we're figuring jared's gonna have a better year we're figuring even if we're not counting on kyle lewis maybe he gets in 200 pretty decent at bats maybe tramel gets in 200 pretty decent at bats maybe we just don't have to play jack mayfield or you know whatever other avatar we would pull out of the ether for those particular Donovan Walton. I couldn't believe yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who had 69 plate appearances. So good for Donnie. Um, but when I was looking through nice. the list of hitters who took it bats for the right for, for the Mariners last year, I couldn't like Brandon Bishop apparently was on the Mariners last year <laughs> and took played two games. Like I, I have zero memory of this. I do remember, as I said, um, Jake Bowers. I remember oh, that very vividly. All 200 plate appearances of Jake Bowers. How many did he get? So you're hoping that, you know, <laughs> 202 <laughs> so in a perfect world winker is taking winker and terenz and evan white are taking those at bats realistically but like you know you never know we never know and they will some scrub will come <laughs> out of somewhere to play for this team at some point so yeah. um we're always braced for we're that. gonna have our jose Marmolejos um, somewhere <laughs> i'm so happy he's you know he's living his best life in japan Dude, um you know he's gonna good rake for him yeah, he yeah, he's his, gonna be his so his bat good. speed numbers are so good, so good. He's like the perfect archetype to be an absolute sensation in Japan. The exact skill set. So that's gonna, tight. I think Vogelback should go to Japan too. Vogelback might tear it up in Japan. <clears throat> um, I, yeah, I wouldn't let's... mind that. So I can stop hearing about him. <laughs> let's talk about the al west because we wanted to examine some of our competition um a couple different projection systems have come out um baseball prospectus in particular has the mariners placing third in the al west um pretty middle of the pack right around 500 uh with the angels and houston out in front of us what do you guys think of some of the projections you've seen so far are they you know too high too low on the mariners and what are they missing because I felt like the projections were missing a lot of, they're always missing context. They're just naked numbers, but I felt like understanding what we're looking at with the Mariners in particular is its own discussion relative to the rest of the AOS. What is the fan graphs playoff odds? What? 29% on Seattle or something. I think, I think that's a little bit low. I would put them more at like a 40, um, especially with 12 teams in the playoffs. I think that the the projection systems continue to just rave about the angels, but I like, I, you know, half of me is I'll believe it when I, when I see it, but I also don't know if trout can like stay healthy. Um, and I don't know if Otani can stay healthy. So I don't really know if I trust the angels and they're expecting a lot from Noah Syndergaard and they're expecting a lot from, you know, a lot of these players, uh, Anthony Rendon, these are all guys who've had injury histories and they're expecting those guys to be like stars for this team. So I, I don't see how the Mariners are behind them. Um, but I, I also see how they could be like near them. 
Um, I think I think maybe what they're missing is I, they're all expecting massive regression from the bullpen, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair because the Mariners always seem to pop up with like two or three mystery like superstar bullpen relievers. So even if a couple of them flame out, I feel like they'll just like replace them with like new Paul Seawalds and Drew Steckenriders. Um, There's only one Paul Seawald. Sorry, with new Drew Steckenriders and, and Casey Sabo. <laughs> <laughs> thank you maybe Johan has a breakout year there he goes yeah I've, I mean, said, I've said that for the record i think the bullpen is stacked um uh yeah i think i think maybe because we're fans of the mariners we are baking in a lot of breakouts that we maybe shouldn't be actually but actually. <laughs> but the, to be fair the team is young and does have actually highly regarded prospects this is not a ryan healy situation <laughs> where we're looking at it side-eyed like <laughs> no he's definitely like gonna pin it isn't like that oh, like ryan he's healy. you know yeah he was our starting third <laughs> baseman for three seasons like and people really? were serious about him basically yeah, i mean he was at he first was for a while he wasn't third time. for all that time oh, but fuck we had kyle seager for he played years. a lot of third yeah, well, he covered for the Kyle Seeger injury in particular, right? For yeah. a couple seasons. Um, oh, I need none a, of it was good. I need a shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. See, oh Jerry will God. make a deal with the A's for Ryan Healy, but not for uh, Sean Manai. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, God. In fairness, they only gave up Emilio Pagan. <laughs> so, who had a great season after that, but I, I think got him. injured and kind I of love out, him. But... Bad home run problem. Sorry, Sorry. Home run problem. Took us did we talk there. about Winker? Yeah, we did. Thrills? <laughs> I don't remember. You can talk more about Winker if you want to talk about Winker. I I figured you want to preview your article. Yeah. Did I? I didn't do that, right? I mean, you can do whatever you got to do, man. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> I don't think I fucking did it. So I'm gonna. I'll talk about him real quick. Um. Okay. So first off. I don't think he's ever played even 120 games. So I think Durs is right in that he is, you know, the strong side of whatever platoon is, is to come. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Julio should help unless it's Kyle Lewis. I don't know who that is. So I feel like the Mariners. Justin Ruggiano. I loved that signing or that, uh, trade for the record. Um, but so basically what I wrote about him is, is in a similar way. I don't, I don't know if I talked about this. I talked about like synthetic power, right? No, I did. I definitely did. Sorry. You talked I, about synthetic power as it related to Suarez in particular uh, mm. with the pole side stuff, but okay. not about it as it relates to Winker. <clears throat> cool. I'm going to, again, I apologize about this on the lookout landing pod. I'm going to call him Winkler more than once. It's going to happen. I, my brain goes to say it every time I say Winker. It thinks Winkler. And I, At least there's a Dan Winkler that. that you can like blame. Yo, this cat is going. Henry Winkler? Right no. Oh, that's you. <laughs> well, you're old, man. Uh, so. <laughs> so, yeah, he has been very good. But, I mean, he's pretty much hit since 2017. And yet he preface this is going to be really nice and yet he only has a career 6.9 war so that's not like it's basically been the past two seasons uh which is impressive in a 20 uh, short in 2020 season that he's been you know really good um but what's interesting to me 
is that the Mariners, you know, Divish tweeted, uh, Winker, man, I'm, you're going to make me call him Winkler. Winker will play left field versus righties and some, and some lefties because the M's believe he has the ability to hit lefty pitching. I have heard that so many goddamn times. I've heard that so many goddamn times from the Mariners. I don't even remember what hitters, but they always say that they think a lefty has the ability to hit against lefties and he never fucking does. So <laughs> I am calling them on their shit. Um, but I do kind of see an avenue for him improving. And again, I am very, is it bearish? Bearish, right? Uh, bullish is good. Bearish is bad. I am very bearish. <laughs> um, so, you know, keep in mind, he's only ever had 306 plate appearances against lefties. His ex-Woba is 318 against lefties, which is very, it's very good. Like for, you know, a left-hander against lefties, that's, that's league average, like in a, you know, in a vacuum. His Woba is 276. That's really fucking low compared to his ex-Woba. Whereas mm-hmm. against righties and like 1200 plate appearances, his Woba is 405, his ex Woba is 385. So, kids, what, <laughs> what, what have we learned here is that he, the reason why he is so good is he's created a lot of synthetic power by pulling the ball a ton against righties. So, you know, if you look at his, his hard hit percentage, I think his in the percentile, he's like 87th percentile. He's really good. But when you look at his dynamic hard hit percentage and you fold in spray angle, so whether or not he's pulling it or going oppo, whatever, he's in the 50th percentile. So in terms of like raw power, he's very average, but he just does an amazing job of optimizing his pull side. But he only does that against righties. Against lefties, he's really fucking bad at it. I think he goes opposite. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't finished, like, I'm just getting to the end of the article where I'm talking about this. I think he just hits a lot of, so, like, in terms of exit velo and launch angle, like, when StatCast spits out an XWOBA value, it's just looking at those two values. It doesn't look at spray angle, which it should. If it did, I guarantee you his XWOBA would fall by, like, 20 or 30 points. Um, So, essentially, he is just slicing the ball and going oppo a lot and when you do that the ball doesn't fly as far so i think i think he could as against lefties i think he could stand to gain by pulling the ball more i don't know how you do that but he could very well become more of an average left-handed hitter against lefties rather than someone with a 65 career WRC plus against lefties, which is very bad. So that's what I got to say about Winker. I don't know if I needed to, but I think it's good information. (laughs) No, it's good. Uh, So are you, is that going in your, uh, I guess it's going to be 40 and 25, but 40 and 40 piece. Yeah. Like all that information. Yeah. We'll be within more granular obviously, but um, Yeah. And probably a couple other things because I haven't buttoned it up, but I'll, I'll I'll get it finished up tonight and it'll be out tomorrow. Uh, quick sidebar, but did you want to mention your uh, your little promotion, the big news? Oh, like my freelance thing? Yeah. 
That's pretty cool, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have, you know if it, if you, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But I figured it'd be cool. No, it's it's not official. <laughs> like it's not, you know. And in general, I'm waiting until I release an article to to tell everyone. But might as well tell our devoted listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am now going to be freelancing, um, not only at Baseball Prospectus, but also at five thirty eight. Um, which, you know, they're more known for politics, but they also do sports and, um, I'm super excited about it. So, you know, I've got a lot on my plate in terms of this and what got landing and, and 538 and baseball perspectives, but, and counseling in school, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, but, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Um, so I just pitched a couple ideas that got sort of turned down. So we'll, We'll see if I can come up with something that's a little more, <laughs> a little more clickbaity, or just you know that it's it's a weird population because it's like the masses, but like from an analytical perspective. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's the masses as it pertains to stat nerds, the stat nerd mass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I got to come up with a topic, but uh, hopefully by like next week. I feel like, and this is kind of a comment I can only make because I'm very familiar with 538 and their actual journalism. Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't honestly read a 538 article in like a couple months, and I've stopped listening to the podcast quite a bit Same. after, like, frankly, the 2020 election because, like, yes. <laughs> just, I just needed to chill. I think a lot of people but, did. I think their traffic was way up during that period, yeah. but then, like, I just I couldn't do it anymore. Over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you listen, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't hey, gonna give you a hard time about being Nate Silver's new BFF. Hey, but, listen, um, yeah, I, um, no comment. <laughs> we won't push you on that. I think yeah. the, Nate Silver is a big dork, and so I don't take anything he says personally because he's just a, a flaming dork. Um, but what I would say is that their articles have kind of like a very specific narrative framing that is a really natural fit for the way you write your articles. Um, and that's also a pretty natural fit for Lookout Landing, frankly. Lookout Landing has a kind of like tongue-in-cheek vibe to a lot of the writing mm-hmm. and just like the material that gets posted that you work with really well. But you also weave a story, even like in the titles of your articles, you know, like type such and such as little Ty France in him. Like you're kind of, you, you pick <laughs> a framing and stick to the framing and have all your analytics kind of lined up in the framework. And not everything in sports writing is like that. And I think you're going to do really well because it has, you fit the format that people are already expecting very capably. And so I think you're going to do great. I think that's cool. I, I, my understanding was you said it's, it's temporary, but um, it's still awesome, dude. Like 538 yeah. is very official. Um, you're an insider. That is technically, <laughs> that is technically ESPN, Mikey. Yeah. Ugh. Does that make you oh, higher sorry, than no Joe comment. on the on the baseball prospectus hierarchy? Like, I don't know, man. Uh man. Do you have more clout than Joe Doyle? I don't know. <laughs> I, once once people hear Joe's news, uh I, I don't Traitor. think so. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh I'm so angry. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh I, I I do think it's a good fit and it's you know, it's it's once or twice a month, I think generally speaking. So um yeah i'm really excited to to kind of get started with that and you know once i graduate i'm gonna have so much more time to do all this it's so exciting (laughs) (laughs) it's uh uh five more months this year august okay so yeah in uh okay word 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 yeah um i was thinking we should have joe on 
our next pod because he he'll be officially unable to be friends with us anymore oh, at a certain point. We really should. He's not going to be on the minor league pod anymore for Lookout Landing either. They're going to have to get one of the new writers on there. They're going to have to get me. <laughs> Dude. Hi, sweet boy. Pitch it. Bye. Sorry, I was talking to my cat again. If if you're just listening. <laughs> um. Well, Durs already kind of gave us a little bit about the AL West. Mikey, do you... I, th- I believe this was your note. Do you have anything on kind of like the Mariners and the competitive balance of the AL West or where they sit in it? Based on the projections in particular. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting how much Jesus fucking Christ cat number one. Um <laughs> I think it's interesting how much the projections like the Angels. Um I don't know, yeah. wasn't Rendon out like the whole year? Yes. Yeah, Rendon's pretty been pretty seriously injured for a while now, so Noah Cinder like, also you know, famously did not throw a pitch. Well no, he threw like a pitch last year. <laughs> Wasn't it like three innings, something like that? Yeah, I don't know. And Trout's going to be much. playing center field, which no, he's playing left field. I now. remember they hurt. they didn't tell him until they told the media. Wait, is is he actually playing left? Oh, okay. so what happened was basically, um, who's the manager now? Um, Madden. Is it still Madden? Okay, Madden mm-hmm. told the media yeah. they wanted to move Trout to left field, but they hadn't talked to Trout about that yet. Then someone left to Trout, and he's like, "What? I mean." I, I don't know. <laughs> and the next day, Trout like, came back with a more succinct answer, which is like, I don't want him to move to left field. I want to play center. <laughs> so Damn. it's unclear what he's going to be doing. Well, God. Idiots. Um, the Mets yeah. of, the, of the West. <laughs> yeah, so I think like when it's all said and done, I think that the Rangers will will be a much more formidable team than they are now because their pitching is is dog shit, uh, I think is a scientific term. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think the Angels are, are as good as as the projections would, would lead us to believe. Um, I just like really, really think the Mariners need to do something because they're, in terms of just like projected war, they're lagging behind the Angels by five wins. Um. I think they could pretty easily address some of that by by starting pitching, um, which they're probably going to do, but maybe not, you know, maybe that doesn't happen if they get Tyler Anderson as opposed to, oh boy, not Sonny Gray anymore, um, Luis Castillo, you know. Um, so, yeah, and we, you know, we talked about the free agent market is... It's real thin, boys. Uh, Chad Cole's even gone. <laughs> I kind of, so. I kind of wonder if the Mariners could like go and get Manaya and Laureano or something. You think the A's would do that? Uh, the A's don't give a shit. They want to give away players that are going to cost them money, <laughs> and Laureano's about to cost I don't them know. money. <laughs> They're going to want Noelvi. That's the thing is anyone who's going to any player of like real impact, the conversation starts with Noelvi. Mm. If Julio and Kirby and Kelnick are obviously off the table, who, who else are you going to talk about? That's why you, know, you Mariners, just back up a truckload of money to one of these, one of these infielders. But anyway, we've gotten past that. Would have been, would have been cool. Would have been real cool. Oh, it's okay. You know what might happen? I think Steven Souza is a, is a huge platoon bat. Like I, I'm pretty sure I know. I'm pretty sure he can't hit righties. 
I have to look at this, but um, that might be what happens if if Please they go in and think that he can. I mean, yeah, he's throw... barely played in years and also been terrible. So I I feel like he is. Yeah, playing he's played less than thirty games best. since twenty eighteen. But has he hit? <laughs> has he hit though? No. He's had a 50 no. against, <laughs> against lefties, though. <laughs> well, let's check. Last year, he had a, double one, a, a 51 WRC plus, and the year before, he had a 59 WRC plus. But let's check those splits for Mikey. <laughs> uh, I'm look pretty at sure he's hit, I bet he's hit lefties. Versus lefties in his career, a 108 WRC plus. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm wrong. Sort of. Sort of. He doesn't really have much of a, a a split um oh boy i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what's my little doing I, right now what is he doing right now does anyone know does does manuel margot know what he's doing right now uh, presumably we really should be getting a center fielder I don't fucking know, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I think that the M's are in decent shape. Um, I think they need to make one more addition on on you know in terms of a, a bat, and it doesn't have to be like a good batting bat. <laughs> it can be, it can be you know a good fielder, which also hard to come by. But I think they need to make a a, a legitimate, you know, what Pete Carroll would call a legit addition on on uh in the starting rotation and uh at least a marginal you know improvement in terms of offense and i think it's going to happen i think i think depoto is is kind of posturing to an extent to to kind of try and drive down the price which probably isn't even much. okay well let's let's get both of you guys on the record here before opening day will the mariners acquire what people would classify as an impact bat yes or no okay so the only options for that really are bryant story in korea right or suzuki or a trade okay um like i would classify a laureano as an impact bat i think hmm. so i'm thinking i'm gonna say they'd like to but they don't like three wins or more basically i think that people would not consider him an impact bat even though i think you're probably right so let's see let me look at unsigned uh, uh hitter my official vote for Durs is no okay for the record watch them, that, watch them get correa watch them get correa <laughs> i would i would be so, so i would oh be God, pretty that'd be so cool that'd be incredible and what would you even do, if he costs like 350 million i would just I'd, we'd just pay him into what do you do do you, do you move him to second base you I, like it's not third i don't even think it makes sense anymore i just you just have no one at second base <laughs> <laughs> you just don't play it two dhs no second baseman i don't know hey we can make it work you know um I'm reading I'm, as we're doing this. I was reading through some of the comments on the Lookout Landing Pod because nobody ever comments on the Lookout Landing Pods. They only comment when they want to like hardcore disagree with what we said. Um, and one of the things people are saying is that we're negative about this trade in particular and kind of minimizing how much of a win it is. I think now that I've had some time to sit with it and my emotions are you know aren't oscillating quite so much as I read more and more about said players live. 
um, is that I like the Mariners offseason and what they've done with Ray, with Frazier, you know, with the, the whole nine yards in context altogether better than I necessarily like anything individually, maybe. And I would also say that the team is unquestionably better. However, they went about it in ways that I may not have preferred. Um, and yeah, that's in in a nutshell. That's it. Would you guys? What would you guys say to that? I, what was your opinion? I think they oversold how the offseason was going to go. I don't think this is like Firefest level disaster, but like they did promise <laughs> us like basically a huge party this offseason, and I think we got like a decent sized party, but it wasn't like we did not get like the whole whole extravaganza you know i think i think basically a lot of us are looking at what the rangers did at first with semi and, and mm-hmm. seager um and we're all like oh wow the mariners could do that like that this could be like the mariners do that kind of thing and and during the lockout ryan divish posted that article that said the mayor like don't be surprised if the mariners signed two of bryant story and suzuki <laughs> like i think that That's got everybody true. pretty excited and now the mariners are gonna probably get none of them like I don't know. I think we were sold on, on big dreams and like, I think that's coloring where we're per- perceiving it this off season. There's, I mean, Agreed. first is that they, they could add, you know, a big addition, like a big contract via trade. And then there's also that it might end up being a good idea that they don't, sign anyone right now uh they don't have to spend them like they shouldn't spend for the sake of spending especially if there is a reason why depoto is reaching these these quote unquote dead ends um someone that i actually think is pretty interesting is tommy fam he's not signed right-handed i don't know he's kind of old now but um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that there are still, you know, we know that the Mariners like to get pretty creative. Um, I definitely think they oversold what was going to happen. Um, because it really did sound, sound like we were going to get one of the marquee, you know, free agents. Um, DePoto nearly said so himself. Um, but, um, this could end up being an all right thing that they don't get one of the, the, the big guys. And they, and they did, you know, they didn't get one of the bats, but they got Robbie Ray. So. You know what they've done too, is like you said, they've taken on expensive contracts with Suarez and Winker. And that's a good thing because that money is off the books in relatively short order. I want to say Winker is on the books for two more years after this. So it's like basically a three-year deal for him. And I know Suarez is through 2025. So it's three years for him as well that's a good spot for them to have their money invested, especially if they're going to wait it out and sign some of the prospects that are already here to longer deals. Um, you know, so they've left themselves, they have spent some money, but they've got flexibility to kind of spend some more in the right places. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Do you guys have any other final thoughts or, um, you know, I know the Mariners are actually going to be playing by the next time we get to pod. So that's pretty cool. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a guest. We have a couple new writers at Lookout Landing. So maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Shay wants to come back. I don't know. Who, who knows? We'll, we'll figure something out, right? Well, I just spilled I the beans on our new hires. Wow. Well, I can't announce it. No, she announced it. She's already right, in there, right? right? right. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Mikey. What were you saying? Oh, I just said I heard Paul Seawald look good today. Paul Seawald looks good every day, for the record. That's. Facts. 
out of all the girls <laughs> at school. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll wrap it there today. I'm Evan, and you can find me on Twitter at Evan James Audio. You can find Mikey on Twitter at Kuya Mikey. You can find Anders at Anders Jorstad. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, wherever it is you stream. I'm also going to link it at the end of the video if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify. Um, additionally, please support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash neversunny in Seattle. Again, there'll be links at the end. Um, thanks for listening. Go Mariners, and glad to have baseball back. Peace.